Sin acknowledges and pays respect to the owners of the land of the House of Sin and where their studios stand, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations. Sin also acknowledges and pays respect to the elders and traditional owners of the land our content reaches, as well as the radio stations we broadcast from across the nation. Hello and welcome to Cricket by Dummies, the only show on radio that will bother to waste your time in a beautiful day like this. I feel like we're just going to be saying that every time we do a show like this, because like, it's summer, it's, the weather's meant to be nice. Exactly. It's absolutely lovely outside, so why would you be sitting at home listening to a cricket show on your radio? So, your advice is tell people I, not I, to listen? Yeah, not listen. Go it's find it's something like else. reverse marketing. Yeah. It's, it's actually reverse psychology. It's the new form of radio marketing technique that we're going to go with. We're going to tell everyone not to listen so that they don't listen and therefore realise how much they miss the show, which will make them then listen People don't even miss more attentive. show. Yeah, okay. Sorry to interrupt you, but <laughs> I felt like I had to pull you up on that point. There was a minor flaw in that whole argument. Yeah, just, just a minor one. Anyways, we've got a pretty usual week for you guys this week. We actually have got a big week for you all next week, though. So this week, we're just going to you know keep it same as always, but genuinely look forward to next next week like i'm actually optimistic about something on this show for the first time in a very long time anyway so we've got like we're gonna do like a whole segment to news which is what we sound like we always do but like proper news for instance like ben stokes um getting charged with a fray this week there's actually a lot of cricketing news of that variety that have come out this week that we find quite interesting we'll do our proper news for all the scores around the world then we got our big bash league segments as per usual alex and i have got an interesting and different big bash fantasy team or not fantasy team draft as such to show you all we'll explain that later we've also got an odi to do and maybe a little thing at the end if we need to fill any time. <laughs> but first, <laughs> Might as well be honest with everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but first, before all of that, let's talk something that came out in the last few hours, a story emerging from the Under-19 World Cup, a game between West Indies and South Africa. Now, this is the same West Indian Under-19 team that famously a few years ago at a World Cup was involved in the Mancad controversy where they elected to uphold their Mancad view and a batsman was given out and man if things just haven't got worse since then. Yeah it's it, there is definitely some sort of culture of win at all costs at the West Indies. Obviously, it won't be the exact same group of players because they're not under 19 forever. I wish I could be under 19 forever, but <laughs> I gave up on that many years ago. Same management, though. That's the interesting yeah, thing. it's the same management, exactly, and the same culture, obviously, win at all costs. Because this, well, a couple of hours ago, uh, South African opener... Oh, I'm going to struggle with this. Javeshan Pillay was uh, batting really well. 47 off 51 was absolutely flying. And then he played a delivery and essentially he's inside edged onto his pattern. It's rolled towards the stumps and then it's just about stopped. And it wasn't going to hit the stumps. And he's just picked it up and chucked it to the keeper. And the keeper, who goes by the name of Stuart, was just like, well... He's touched the ball. That's obviously a in field of play. Gone up and appealed to the umpires, and the umpires have talked to everyone and be like, you know what, you're out. Which just feels so out of sorts with like the. Sp- it's just unsportsmanlike, really. It's not really a gentleman's game anymore. And we knew that already, but it was very. It wasn't very sportsmanlike, I thought. Yeah, um, look. This one was not, I feel like, a highlight moment for cricket fans in general. Uh, it's not the first time we've actually had a discussion about obstructing the field in the last week, but I'm just, we'll get to that later. It's going to be an interesting discussion, that one as well. But firstly, on this one, 
Van, I just the nonchalance of the the batsman. This was not a guy that was trying to obstruct the field in any way. The ball had stopped, and he was literally just doing them a favour. He said, oh, "I'll just pick you up and chuck you the ball, so you can throw it back to." The I'll save else. you running to the stumps. Yeah, to exactly. Get it. It's and I can't believe that has been interpreted as obstructing the field. The idea that this was in any way and a deliberate attempt to obstruct the field is absolutely ludicrous, and I do not say this lightly, but the third umpire should be ashamed of himself in this case. That was just... I, I cannot see how you look at that and find that interpretation. And if those are the rules, and let's be fair, look, I, I don't know the rules that well, but if those are the rules, that's ridiculous. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely ridiculous, and something needs to be done about that as soon as possible. Well, I'm sure the ICC will put out a statement after this game. Um, I didn't hear any from the Ross, uh, the incident in the Big Bash League, the other obstructing the field, although these are quite different scenarios. But yes, there is an issue with this, especially if it is because, like, I've seen it happen hundreds of times in test matches, and just no one cares. It's just a nice thing to do, and it just keeps the play moving quickly. But if you can't do that, then that's just like, huh? It's just, it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel like, a, I don't know. I don't know how to put it. Especially in a day where so many captains are suspended for slow over rates. Like, it's just a little nice thing that you do to make the other guy's day easier. And, uh, I, oh, look, I'm shocked. I'm honestly stunned. I can't believe we've come this far. Um, you know what? It used to be the gentleman's game, and, you know, I understand that we're not doing that anymore, and I totally get that, but... Jeez, like, come on, guys. A little bit of respect, people. Let's move on to more lighthearted story, and this one comes out of Fox Sports during the week. Um, we talked a few weeks ago about former Australian cricketer, and List A representative Ryan Carters, used to play with Victoria and New South Wales, and his sudden retirement from cricket a few years back. And Fox Sports have actually done an interview with him this week where they talked about talked to him and talked to him about what he's been doing this since then. And it's a lovely story for those who haven't read it about um, him basically giving up cricket to pursue his life for charity and trying to help out um, underprivileged children play cricket all over the world. And I'd just like to say, let's put all of that aside and remind all of our listeners that I once got Ryan Carter's out. <laughs> I thought that was the reason you tagged me in this just be like, yeah, this guy was in one of the longest partnerships ever and they didn't even bring me into the attack. They they really should have just like called you when they were yeah, in a 500-run partnership. I got Ryan Carter's out when he was trying to hit me for six and they're a full-strength New Zealand ODI attack. Which one do you think is better? Oh, well, obviously you. You're yeah. like, the evidence is <laughs> plain to see. Overwhelming. Yeah. It can, oh, sorry, guilty as... I don't know. What did they say? in the? I'm definitely not a guilty lawyer. Guilty as charged. Guilty as charged. There, there we go. go. Um in even more lighthearted news, someone got bowled out for two today. And by someone, I mean a whole team, <laughs> not just one person. A whole team got bowled out for two. Um, my favourite part about this is if you actually read the article, uh, they interview the coach of this club, South Road Cricket Club. Um, one of their 11s got bowled all out for two. And the coach is basically like, look, we haven't had a great season, but even this was a new low. <laughs> if, you, if you read um, this run of scores over this season, they've made more than 100 once this season and have had scores of 15, 30 and 26 over the last two months. Look, two is a new low, but even then, this is a side for famous for being epically low. Yeah, but, like, you can't get any lower than this. The, do you know what's the worst thing? They scored half their total before a ball had been bowled because the first ball of the innings was a wide. Yeah. 
So, like, after that, so they just got a one-run head start still and they only scored one. And it was the number nine that came out and scored the one run. So it was duck, 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 duck. Goose. Goose, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, like, number nine gets his one run. He probably celebrated like you've never seen before. I, I think that's what we should call one run in a match now from now on is, you know, the duck's your traditional zero score, but Goose is now number one. Because of this match and the pattern of duck, 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 Goose, then back to ducks. Yeah. Because Goose is the one that's It's the exception. Picked. It's the stands out. Yeah. Um, we've got more news, actually, in this week. And um, in news of that made every cricket fan across the globe, go to dictionary.com. Um, ben Stokes has been charged in official cricketing news, and he's been charged with the common term of afraid. 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 Now, he's not afraid, <laughs> um, and he's not afraid not. Um Get it? Yeah, well, yeah, uh, yeah. that was so bad. Yeah, that, you're, <laughs> um, you're a little better than that. Okay, so a basic basic summary for our non-legal students out there, which includes me, um, <laughs> is a fray is basically public fighting. Yeah. Um, it's like a public brawl of some sort. So it, it, it's not surprising, given the English legal system, that this is what he would be charged with. Um, the only real surprise is that some people thought that he might have got off, and it seems like he's actually going to be forced to pay for his consequences. Yeah, fair enough. We all saw what happened. Uh, yeah, maybe we should call ourselves like legal system by dummies because we've already done guilty as charged, like a very, very tough saying to remember and yes. afraid. Yeah, I never heard guilty as charged. Yeah, this New is one. far more informative than, say, doing a cricket show. Oh, we yeah. haven't even talked about like, Speaking cricket. of cricket. Speaking of cricket. <laughs> there is cricket going on in the world. Afghanistan is playing their very first test in June of this year. I don't know about you. I'm very excited about this. It will be against India. Um now, one of the things is we've seen the Zimbabwean side, we've joked about them being particularly poor. Uh, the Bangladeshi side have struggled a little bit, as have the West Indies. But the Afghanistan side have a few decent players that I think are going to really help. Um, my favourite, of course, being Rashid Khan. He's an absolute jet with the Adelaide Strikers, the BBL. But there are a few others that you want to mention. Yeah, well, Mohamed Nabi for the Renegades is also Afghani. So, like, the both of them will do very well in Indian conditions, you'd think. I mean, you just bowl the two of them, honestly. Just like 60 yeah. overs straight, 30 <laughs> overs each end. Like, don't bowl the rest of them. But then, like, Shenwari, I don't know if you'll remember from the World Cup, had a great World Cup. He was the leading run scorer for yeah. Afghanistan. Yeah. yeah. Bats and they had a left arm quick who was pretty decent as well. His name I can't remember. Yeah, and they also have their keeper, Shazad, who's who very, a very funny guy. Yes, and very, very good at... Um, keeping and a great batsman as well. Like and they're quite portly as well for an international cricketer. Yeah, <laughs> no, but like, <laughs> like they've got a pretty good team, and obviously I don't expect them to beat India. That would be very, very far fetched. But like, it's exciting, and I feel like that's the difference between Zimbabwe, who've been playing Tests for a while now and haven't really grown to be able to compete with even like some of the more mediocre sides, and like Afghanistan, an up and coming team. There's excitement around this team, and it's just like it's a huge thing for the country, and I'm really. Like, I'm upset that they have to play India first. Test. I'd love it if they played, like, someone like Zimbabwe and just, like, showed them how. Because that might be the wake-up call Zimbabwe would sort of I need. think the worry would be is that if Zimbabwe destroyed Afghanistan, then they'd go, well, why would why did we give this to you? Whereas everyone's going to expect them to get thrashed by India. So any result above that would be an improvement. If they can make more than 250 in one of the innings or if they can, you know, keep India to under 400 in one of the innings, that will be go, look, there you go, there's a success. We can compete. Yeah. Um, whereas if they were to get thrashed by Zimbabwe, then it would go, well, they're getting thrashed by the worst nation we have. That's yeah. a problem. Yeah, fair enough. Ireland, oh, they haven't set a test for it as well, but they're one of the new test teams as well. So I'm sure we'll see a test from them soon. be interesting to put them up against Afghanistan. 
Yeah, I'm very looking forward to both of the first tests for these teams. It's going to be an exciting future for Test Cricket. We're going to be back with some scores from some other tests going on in the world right now. But first, we're going to play a classic from Avicii. This is The Knights. That was The Knights by Avicii. You're here on Sin 90.7 with Cricket by Dummies. And you, you're welcome for listening to that absolute classic. Um, I actually did some A modern research. Classic. Um, I actually did some research that was released in 2015, so it's actually less than three years old, Alex. So you know what? We'll call that a classic uh, by all means. You know what? We should call ourselves classics by dummies. Yeah, because literally we're dummies about <laughs> them being classics. It's actually literal. Because this show totally isn't literal at all. No, no we no. never take ourselves seriously at all. Let's talk BBL. Come on, let's get some... Oh, I was no, we're not talking BBL. Very, I got a very definitive glare from <laughs> Alex the entire time there. I hope it was worth it. We're not up to BBL. I'm getting my segues wrong. It's time for the news. New Zealand, Pakistan kicked on. Uh, so we had the third ODI this week, which was just an absolutely thrilling game out of... Uh, out of New Zealand. So New Zealand come out and make 257, led by Williamson and Taylor, as they have been for a very long time now. 73 for Williamson, 52 for Taylor. Uh, I'm not going to... Tr- How do you pronounce that? Reis? The, um, the There's two bowler. E's on it. Uh, I do not know how to pronounce it. I'm right. not going to lie. Yeah, I... Anyways, Reyes uh, got three for 51, which was a pretty good effort. And then Pakistan came out and miserably got 74. And they were six for 15 at one stage and eight for 32, which is just mind-blowingly bad. After we thoroughly discredited West Indies' performance in New Zealand, um, the Pakistan has literally gone, and I know you just, I use this reference all the time, but it's well worth it. Hold my beer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, that they oh, did. Man, this, is, this has been a colossal effort. I've never seen the manager screw up this bad. The one thing that I'd be genuinely curious to discuss with you is, so you're a New Zealand fan, right? Oh, I love New Zealand cricket, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But aside from like, if you, in a hypothetical, you're a genuine New Zealand fan, right? Yes. Live in Australia, bo- uh, live in, sorry, live in New Zealand, born and bred, right? Are you excited about the fact that you've had a completely one-sided summer against two very average teams, or and but you're winning, or are you more disappointed in the fact that you haven't seen any genuine competition for a side that's aspiring for better things than Pakistan and the West Indies? It's hard, though, because you can't have every summer um, an amazing team come over. Because New Zealand's very good in New Zealand. That's the point yep. of why they've got the ranking they have. I think they're, like, fourth or fifth. Anyways, they don't play very well away, but they're very, very good in New Zealand. So they're always going to bash up those mediocre sides. Whereas Australia went there for a few games last summer. Unfortunately, Australian, New Zealand, South Africa summers all, like, interlude. So, like, it's hard to get tours against either. But I know Australia went over there last summer and th- that was a pretty good series, um, even though Australia played with Sean He's- S- Sam Heaslett. Sam Heaslett. <laughs> yeah. But, no, I like, I'm excited that we can you could beat teams like that. But, yep. like, I'd be looking forward to, I don't know when India's going to go over there, but I would think it's soon. Um, India's and South Africa's and England's of the world. Yeah, we'll all come over in a couple of summers and then they'll be very interesting because you look at the New Zealand side and they've got a solid base, but they haven't quite figured out like the bottom end of their teams yet. They're experimenting with a lot of players at the moment and like you're going to play well against Pakistan and the West Indies, but I want to see all these experimental players like your Colin Munros, see how well they do against a better side like your India's, South Africa's, Australia, England's. I think... 
a good part of the fact that this series in both the West Indies and Pakistan series has been largely led by New Zealand star players is a little bit of a problem is you usually hope in these type of series it's somebody comes out and says look at me I'm gonna be your new man but I mean again in this game it was Bolts who took five for 22 um Williamson top scored he hasn't had an amazing summer but Bolton Southey who we'll talk a little bit more about later have been the pick of the bowlers um yeah. That's a little bit of a problem, I think, and the batting depth isn't quite where it should be. Um, one thing that's really unfortunate for Pakistan is in a day where things couldn't have really gone much worse, things did manage to get worse when I believe they're about three for 10 at the time. Babar Azam, their star batsman, he's the number two ranked ODI batsman in the world right now or something. He's uh, very very highly ranked, very good player. Uh, he's coming back for two and his bat gets stuck in the pitch and he's run out by a meter in a run in which had his bat not gotten stuck in the pitch, he would have been well and truly fine in. And it was honestly hilarious. <laughs> wasn't as bad as, I don't know if you saw the run out in the India-South Africa game that we can get to in a few minutes, but that was there was one even worse than that Ooh, where yes. he didn't, it wasn't that he didn't slide, that the bat got stuck, he just didn't put his bat down. Yeah, it was still in the air. That was a poor one. Uh, the fourth ODI was a little bit more p- competitive from Pakistan. Uh, they went out and made 8 for 262 off their 50 overs. Mohammed Hafiz hit 81 to get a strong thing for them. And then, as we talked about, Tim Southey, he chipped in with 3 for 44. But, man, the New Zealand batsmen just looked in complete cruise control the whole innings. Um, a, a better total for the Pakistanis, but still nowhere near enough to test New Zealand, DeGrant home, 74, not out of 40 balls. I mean, they were just cruising. Yeah, but it was kind of good from the batting to see DeGrant home and um, Nichols do well. Because, well, Munro did well as well. He got 56, but he's had a really good summer. But whereas, like, they've been trialing DeGrant home and Nichols for a while now, and I thought they would have got to the edge of, like, maybe looking somewhere else. But the fact that they both put up um, good scores, albeit against a Pakistan, a deflated Pakistan attack, is still, like, kind of good for New Zealand. I would be happy with that sort of result, chasing down 262. Yeah, I would agree. The highlight really for Pakistan has been Shadab Khan, who's back in the lineup after playing in the BBL. Took three for 42 and is still their best bowler by a long way. I do love watching him bowl. Um, let's talk South Africa-India because the second test is going on right now. Um, this has been a really good series. It's always interesting watching two of the Titans go at it, especially a side like India in which their fans are so... Mellow. Passionate. <laughs> um, <laughs> we both went completely different yeah, angles there. Yeah. Definitely willing to listen to you, Indian fans. Um, it's been an interesting test. Um, you probably put it in South Africa's favour right now, but definitely still winnable for India. Um, South Africa made 335 in the first innings before rolling India for 307. Looked like they were probably going to go on and cruise for a while there, Pakistan, uh, Pakistan, South Africa. But India fought back, and with some good bowling from Mohamed Shami, they managed to get South Africa all out for 258 in the second inning, setting India 287 to win. Pretty average total. I'd say it's probably a bit above par. Um, and... In response, you thought India might do okay, but they've struggled early. The big wicket, of course, being Virat Kohli outs, gotten by the debutante Ngidi, I believe his name yeah. is, who has... It's like Antini. Makai Antini. Yeah, remember Makai Antini. Oh, yeah, I do, I do remember Makai Antini. So I think it's like Ngidi. Ngidi. Okay, so he has two for 14 off his few overs he bowled last night. And a little few tremors for the Indians, who could go away potentially losing this series. Yeah, it's but... This is what Test cricket is. This is we didn't see anything like this in the Australia England series, aside from it not being that close and all that. Like the the scores they're putting up is three thirty five, two fifty eight, three oh seven. It's just like 
you got it. The new ball is ridiculously hard to face off. And then once you get your eye in, like the batsman can do very well. We saw Coley make it 153 in the first innings, which was half of their total. But like once you get in, like you can play very, very well. And it takes the pitch getting a bit older and a bit more wary for you to really struggle once again. It's like proper test cricket. It's like good to watch. Yeah, I agree. It's been a really good balance. And I like that is talk about Coley, how he got in, went on and made a big score. But the South Africans have also had five batsmen reach 50s um, in the two innings, which is not only showing that you can... It's not impossible to get through the new ball. It's it's hard and difficult, but it's not impossible. And yet Ravi Ashwin, who's taken four wickets in the first innings and a few in the second innings, still proving that if you bowl well as a spinner, you are still going to be a threat to those batsmen between 50 and 100. Because quite often we see with a lot of pitches is it's difficult to bat early, but once you get set, then 200 just seems easy. Yeah. Um, whereas this is one of those pitches where it's genuine hard-fought batting for the batsman without being impossible the whole time. And I think that's always perfect. The absolute highlight for me across this entire test has been the best moment from Virat Kohli. And Virat Kohli, you know, he always offers up your long list of highlights, whether that be arguing with umpires or... Oh, what? He never does that. <laughs> incredible batting knocks. He hit a beautiful 150 in this match. But my favourite is his reviews because every now and again, I think the Indian team are the worst at it in the world. Um, they were so late to bring it on board that every now and again, you see them still produce an absolute howler. And this is the worst one I've seen from them in a long time. Um, can't remember who it was bowling. I think I want to say Bumrah. Came in and bowls a Yorker on middle stump. And the batsman just blocks it back out. Like, literally off off his back foot, but middle of the bat. Yep. Clean but he has to, like, middles. get his feet out of the way. Yeah. It's a really good Yorker. Had he not moved, it probably would have might hit the edge of his toes. But he just gets his bat, like, in the way. And, and it comes out of the middle of his bat. And they have a quick chat with each other. The, uh, the Well, batsman they all appealed for the LBW. Yeah. And the umpire's like... No, <laughs> as you would when it comes off the middle of the bat. And then, you know, all the Indians have a little talk for a bit. Bumra didn't look very convinced on it at all, but Collie was like no, half talking. Yeah, he was half <laughs> talking to him, half talking to himself. And he was like, you know what, we'll do it. It wasn't the most convincing, like, review signal you've ever seen. It was kind of like a quick one, like, yep. oh, yeah, I'll quickly do the action. It's not me. It's uh, obviously someone else. Oh, I'm blaming somebody else for this, despite the fact that I'm the captain. Yeah, exactly. And then hits the middle of the bat. Like, it was so funny. The commentator's just like, oh, and the ball's coming in. It's swinging in. Oh, it's hit the middle of the bat. <laughs> <It's middled laughs> this is an absolute howler. Uh, uh, Indian boring. cricket, as per usual, giving us uh, some great reviews. It, it just reminded me of, like, something Shane Watson would do. <laughs> and I think that's where India's at. They're just, like, a few years behind on the reviews. So Watson's, like, three or four years back. I reckon India are almost like the team form of Shane Watson. The team like, form. Like, as a country, nation, yeah. team. They are Shane Watson, like, I want to say personified, but like the team version of that, teamonified. Teamonified. I'm going to invent a new word for this show. <laughs> right? How about teamified? Teamified, right? So India are Shane Watson teamified. Their best is incredible. Like, genuinely best in the world, right? They're ridiculously inconsistent, and every time you think they're going to be really good, they just fall a bit short. <laughs> yeah, it can't quite get the century, you would say. Yeah, they're, they're famous for getting out in the 90s, India. I feel like that's their specialty. Um, we're going to be back with some BBL talk, but first we're going to have this absolute classic. This is just one of the best songs you've ever heard. I'm definitely not overhyping this whatsoever. You should definitely anchor your expectations <laughs> on this song. That's so bad, it's ridiculous. It's Birds of Tokyo's hit, Anchor. That was Anchor by Birds of Tokyo. This time it actually was a hit, Alex. Uh, sorry to keep rubbing it in. You're here on Sin 90.7 with Cricket by Dummies. And now we're going to move on to our Big Bash League 
uh, recap for the week. Always lots happening in the Big Bash. I feel like we say this every week, but like, I don't know, you have to re- repeat for effect. I-, I think this week has actually probably been the biggest week we've you had. You said that last week. Uh, I know. It, <laughs> like, it just you keeps... said that word for word last week. No, okay. Well, in my defence, we've had some genuinely big moments of the last week. It is really escalating. Yeah, there um, was some tensions in the Big Bash League, definitely. Very much so. That interview between George Bailey and Brendan McCullum is, like, the most fun I've had in a long time. Well, let's start there, then. We'll <laughs> yeah. move on to the women's later. Um yeah, so there was a obstruct in the field, although of a different variety this time. I can't, I can't re- believe, like, uh, just let's be clear. I think I've seen one obstructing the field ever. Yeah, and, now and we've had got two, two in the last week. week. <laughs> Both for different reasons as well. I believe, I so who was on strike? I believe it was Alex Ross. Um, hits it out to the deep and comes back for the second one against Joffre Archer's throw. Now, it's on quite a wide angle from the stumps. And then the problem is Alex Ross, this is very hard to explain. Watch the video if you can. Um, I'm sure it won't be that hard to find. It literally went everywhere. Alex Ross was running back for the second, and then he kind of veers away at the end um, and kind of like angles towards the stumps, and it hits him, bounces off him, and hits the stumps. Now, he was safe, so there was no run out. However, it's gone up because he veered off his line. It looked... it. The umpires might have suspected that he was getting in the way of the throw um, and that he was obstructing the field. And if that was the case, then it would be obstructing the field. However, if you because the throw from Joffrey Archer was off such a wide angle, it was like a wide mid-wicket almost. Um, yep. Because it was such a wide angle, he's actually tried to veer out of the way more than he's veered into the way, and it was just such a bad throw that it's bounced off him and hit the stumps. However, the third umpire had absolutely no pity for him and has given him out obstructing the field, and it was great at the end of the game, um, you were talking about the interview, where they both just disagreed, George Bailey and Brendan McCullum disagree, and it was a very close match in the end. I believe they won by three runs. In the last um, over. Yeah, I believe the Hurricanes won by three runs. And because Alex Ross, Brisbane Heat batsman, who was quite set at the time, was going quite good, got given out. I mean, could have changed the match, definitely. It's just a very interesting one. I've never seen it before. And if you have a look from behind where Joffrey Archer throw through, it just looks like he's trying to veer out of the way rather than into the way. I reckon, had the throne been straight at the stumps, it would have missed him comfortably. I don't know. That's just my take on it. I, yeah, I agree. I think he was trying to get out of the way. Um, a few other stories involving hurricanes during the week. Darcy Short. Now, I think this is the, the first time we need to release a, a formal Cricket by Dummies apology. Yes, we made a mistake. Yes. A very bad mistake. Quite a serious mistake. Now, a few weeks ago, was it last week? I think it was last, last week. Last week, we released our most average Big Bash players 11. And we included in that Darcy Short. Now, we did this two weeks ago. Yes, um, we did this... After his first score of 90 yes, and then... before his second score of 90. Yeah. And, and since his first score of 90, Darcy Short has then proceeded to make 95 not out, 120 not out, and 40. And quite clearly proven that he is above average in the Big Bash League. Yes, so, if not the best batsman in the Big Bash League. <laughs> yeah, he's comfortably leading the run scores right now. So Darcy... He broke a record. Yeah, yeah well, most runs the, ever. You do the apology first. Darcy, uh, we formally apologise to you um, and give you the proper credit that you are actually a good player. Well and truly above average. No, he's broken the runs record um, for the Big Bash 
in less games than Sean Marsh got it in the third season, it was, where Sean Marsh got 412 runs and he's already at 450, I believe. And it's not the only thing he's broken. No. In the past week, he also broke his coach's jaw. (laughs) Yes. Broke his coach's jaw. And no, this is not a Ben Stokes-type incident. He was literally getting throwdowns in the net from um, Gary Kirsten, a great South African player, was giving him throwdowns and Shorts just accidentally middled him, one of them straight at the coach's face, broke his jaw. Like, when you're hitting them, you're hitting them good, aren't you, Alex? Definitely. He's in absolutely beautiful form right now. Another man that's in crazy good form is Usman Kawaja. He hit 170 for the Australian side a few weeks ago, and now he's back in the VBL. And man, have we missed him. I tell you, this Thunder side looked so toothless for the first half of the season. Usman Kawaja's back in the side, and suddenly they knock off one of the best teams in the comp, and you look at them and go... This side's genuinely good now. Well, Usman Khawaja almost single-handedly won the Thunder the um, when they won two years ago with the title. He almost did it by himself. Yeah, he hit two centuries and a 90 in yep. one season or something. Well, after his 81, I think it was on um, Thursday, after his 81 then, including that, his last five innings had gotten 430 runs for him. Wow, that's, which, that's incredible. Which breaks Sean Marsh. Like, had he done that in one season, it would have yeah. broken Sean Marsh's record with three less games and would have beaten Darcy Short by two games. Like, that's how ridiculous Sean Marsh is in the limited form. Uh, Sean Marsh, Ushman Kwaja, sorry, is in the limited form. Speaking of players that are coming back as well, Carlos Brathwaite is back, and <laughs> that means the triple dab is back. I love Carlos Brathwaite. He's, he looks like a guy that's just genuinely having fun. Uh, look, I have very mixed feelings about a lot of the West Indies guys that tour the world, um, especially because you, you hear from the players varying things, is you have... a um, Different things. You have your, your DJ Bravos. And look, I don't hate DJ Bar- Bravo and Chris Gale, but they're, they're seen to be the, you know, look at me, look how cool I am, look how good I am type people, right? And then you have your Jofra Archers, who are much more the quiet type, literally just want to get their game done. They're going there so they can play cricket. They want to get in, get out, and that's fine. But I love your Braithwaite because he reminds me a lot of Darren Sammy. Darren yeah. Sammy, every time he come over, he just spends the whole time giggling. For him, it's just a great fun. Yeah. Um, and watching Greg Braithwaite play, Carlos Braithwaite, I'm um, sorry, he, he just spends the whole time laughing. Like, he's a guy that genuinely goes out. If he swings and misses at a ball, he'll laugh. If he gets hit for six, he'll go smile at the batsman and go, yeah, I'll get you next one. If if he hits a six himself, he's over the moon. I, I remember one of my favourite moments I've ever seen in Big Bash history ever was when Dan Christian hit a six onto the roof at the Gabba and Darren Sammy just looks up at him and goes, oh my God, that was incredible. And they, they have this big hug of just this like... I didn't know, even know I could do that. No, the best part about that as well is afterwards, Darren Sammy actually touched Dan Christian's bat and he was like, ooh, that's hot. <laughs> and it was just like, yeah, I'd love that sort of energy he and Carlos Braithwaite bring. Like, it, they enjoy cricket. Yeah. They, it reminds me of why, why it reminds me of why I play cricket. Well, I don't play anymore, but why you would play cricket because it's good fun and it's like, it's just refreshing. It's just a bit of a laugh. Yeah, and so it's glad to have him back, even if he's doing the triple dab, which <laughs> I'm never going to do, but, like, good on him. I'll support his actions without condoning them. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, speaking of other things, Bancroft was uh, mic'd up uh, last week in the game against... Oh, I can't remember. Who, the Sixers, sorry. And uh, so he's talking on the... Um, 
comm set to the commentators and the ball comes in and edges it and goes straight to Bancroft and he's like, yeah, in the game on the comm set. <laughs> he literally said that. It's, it's, it was a reference to the fact that about a minute earlier they've been saying, I'm like, oh, you know, you haven't had much to do tonight so far. They've been like pretty good line and length. They haven't had many beat the bat. And then he's like, no, nah, I haven't been in the game much. <laughs> literally the next delivery, batsman nicks off. And he's like, yeah, in the game. Um, my favourite part of the fact was that... Um, he was actually not that easy of a catch. He moved really well, and as a result of which made it look like an easy catch. But had he been off balance, he probably would have had to dive, in which case it would have been really interesting to see the outcome of what happens should Cameron Bancroft be talking to the commentators like on the field and having to keep at the same time, and it potentially interferes with his catching. I don't know if you remember, but there was the um, spider cam controversy when uh, I think it was a shot off one of the batsmen played and David Warner was trying to catch the ball and he hit one of the wires and there was like big controversy about, you know, the coverage interfering with the game. Do you think people would get all up in arms if Cameron Bancroft came out and basically said, yeah, look, I know I caught the ball, but I was really distracted. It, it made a big difference. I don't want to do this again. I mean, it's the players... Like, the commentators weren't, like, asking him a question as he walked in, as the bowler comes in. Normally, commentators do it between the balls and then if the player wants to keep talking as the delivery is bold like KP does it as well then that's up to them but like it was his choice to continue speaking my issue would be more with Curtis Patterson he was the batsman at the time and Bancroft the keeper is talking he's just chatting away the entire time now Patterson's not said anything about it afterwards and we have no idea how loud Bancroft's speaking but it's an interesting one Um, I think T20s are more of a giggle though so I think the coverage would win out in this scenario just because it's more entertaining for all the viewers around. I love hearing Bancroft speak especially. We've heard a lot of his comments this summer have just been gold and this was just another one. So good form to him there. Hopefully he can continue with the bat. You mentioned KP on the mic and that's something I want to touch on briefly because that has been one of my favourite parts of this Big Bash season is I love how much he's just He's a brutally honest person at times, Kevin Peterson, and a lot of people like that and don't like that about him, and I can understand both. But when it comes to talking to a player in the moment as they're fielding out on the ground, and they're asking him genuine questions and he's just answering. And uh, there was one game during the week, I can't remember which one, where he was in the field and the Stars were getting quite thoroughly smashed. And they were asking him questions saying, you know, what are you you guys going to do about this? And... Basically, during one of the questions, uh, the batsman hit a ball for six, and he literally turned and went, "Oh God!" <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was um, Chris. It. That was Chris Lynn Chris who Lynn absolutely smoked it over the one of the biggest yeah. boundaries in Australian cricket. He's like, "Oh God!" And KP's just looked at him and gone, "What am I supposed to do about this?" It was such a perfectly realistic reaction and then it wasn't fake or orchestrated or anything he's literally this is a guy just going I don't know what to do (laughs) I don't know how to get him out yeah Um, I love that about it now cricket by dummies we haven't done too many interviews not as many as we would have liked however it was good this week because we had a bit of Megan shoot and Molly Strano in the highlights Megan shoot was on a hat trick Uh, the second one they tried to reverse sweep and they just ended up getting <laughs> LB, which was an interesting one, definitely. But no, she was on a hat trick. Unfortunately, didn't get it, but like kudos to her. She's still having a great season. And she actually went on to help the strikers defend their low total of 107. The Scorchers couldn't quite chase that down. I believe that was at Alice Springs as well. Yeah, they've had a few low totals in the WBBL over the last few weeks. Um, on the same day, 
we had another Cougar by Dummies favourite. Molly Strano had a brilliant run out. Direct hit from deep cover to run out uh, to Farah, the Hurricanes. Yes, Hurricanes player. Uh, she's a, a really good player and a valuable wicket there for Molly Strano. Another player who's had an excellent season. This Renegades bowling attack has been on top throughout most of the season. I think they've only conceded more than 100 runs two or three times this season, which has been incredible effort by them. Yeah, really strong performance and a really good arm. It was like genuinely deep cover, one stump to aim at, bang. And it's just like, go cricket by dummies favourites. <laughs> Which is always nice. In other big uh, WBBL news, sorry, uh, Beth Mooney got her fourth player of the match. She's played ten matches and she has four player of the matches. Uh, you'd almost think that she's good enough to play for Australia or something. Oh, yeah, you'd almost think almost that. Not, think not that. quite. Like, and that's I, just a ridiculous, like, aside from all the jokes, that is just ridiculous percentage. Yeah, she's a fantastic player, her... Form recently has been incredible. And I know there was a moment from Naomi Stallenberg that you particularly enjoyed during the week. Yes, there was. So she'd already made 48 or 41 with the bat, but then took an amazing catch. But it wasn't about the amazing catch. It was a really good catch, though. If you, I recommend watching it. Full stretch at Deep Fine League. Anyways, she gets up and she does the celebration that I love to refer to. Oh, I that I use when I have a reason to celebrate, which isn't too often, but anyways. <laughs> goes the full-on airplane, zigzags all around. It's just like, if I ever had a reason to celebrate getting a wicket, I would do that. And I was very impressed with I'm actually going to trademark it, because obviously I did it first. Yeah, yeah, right? no, definitely. You came up with it before her. You're the first person to ever think of the idea of aeroplane. Yeah, exactly. Just tell the right <laughs> brothers that. Um, we're going to be back with our recap of the first ODI between Australia and England, and the first game we've actually had to cover this whole series that England have actually won. It only took us 15 episodes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But we eventually got there. <laughs> we're also going to have our um, basic, I don't know how to put it, but our we can just BBL explain. 11s. Uh, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll explain it a bit later. It's an interesting idea. Uh, but first, though, we will have Chitty Bang's cover of Kids by MGMT. This is Opposite of Adults. That was Chitty Bang with Opposite of Adults here on Sin 90.7 FM. You are listening to Cricket by Dummies with Alex and Chuck. And Chuck, recently we had a bit of a debate about, you know, what's more important in cricket? Having specialist players that are amazing at their skills. So, you know, people like... Um, Brennan McCullum, who are fantastic batsmen who can't bowl, or is it more important to have all-rounders that can just do everything? In the last few years, we've seen the Australian side definitely lean towards more towards this idea of just having as many players as possible that can do both and hoping that some of them succeed. Which one do you think is more successful? I think you need a balance of both. But it's interesting because you're right, it is moving more towards a... Uh have as many all-rounders as possible thing you saw on the weekend. Australia went with Mitch Marsh and Head. And Marcus Stoinis as well. And Marcus Stoinis, all in the same side. I don't think Mitch Marsh bowled, but the other two did bowl a few. But yes, you could could have almost got away with just one of the three and gone for two other specialist batsmen. But no, everyone is kind of moving away from that because bowlers have their days, I guess. And anyone, any batsman can take any like into any bowler. So I think that's the idea. Just have as many options as possible. Um, and to back them into bat and good enough, I guess, because I'd say the three of them are batsmen who can bowl. I think that's it, rather than bowlers who can bat. I think that's less in fashion these days, at least. I I actually very much disagree with that. I think Pat Cummins is the model prototype bowler that can bats. I think I will go through our teams in a second, but he is basically he would be the basically perfect person for my team had he not been playing for Australia. But that kind of person who you know. Bowls pretty decently, but also bats at seven, eight, offers decent swinging without being incredibly talented. Um, the kind of person that you know every second game will chip in with a 30-odd. I think that's very important today's cricket, and I think the selectors, at least, think that way. 
Yeah. Anyways, to give you guys all a rundown on what we're doing, essentially, I had to pick a team, the best team for the Big Bash. I've just specialist batsmen, bowlers, and a keeper. And a spe- like a specialist keeper as well, not just like the best batsmen. Although they almost ended up being the same thing anyway. And then, Alex, you couldn't pick any specialist batsmen or bowlers. You literally picked 10 all-rounders and then the worst keeper in the league. <laughs> so I picked Tim Ludeman just because he's famous for being, you know, the, the wicketkeeper that bats at nine, which is just unheard of nowadays. What I do like about my team is not only are just none of them specialists, but none of them are particularly good bowlers or batsmen. This is a team in which... All of them range from not very good to pretty good at both bowling and batting. That was the minimum requirement. You had to be within that range to make this team. Otherwise, you were considered not good enough or too good. Now, give us your 11. Oh, well, I just think we should tell everyone that the reason Joffrey Archer isn't in these teams is because he didn't really fit in either of them. He's not good enough of a batsman to make your team, and he's too good of a batsman to make my team. And I think he's probably too good of a bowler to make my team as well. True. Um, so he was the one that the one interesting one that we couldn't decide on where to put him, and so it was just decided that neither of us would have him. As much as we'd both love to have him, I'd have him in any team of mine. Yeah, have him definitely. In my fantasy team, obviously. Anyways, no. So I thought I'd just you know, op- unfortunately, my uh, most of my players haven't had as good a twenty seventeen slash eighteen, but they're just like proven performers. So opening the batting, we've got McCullum and Finch. Ooh, I, heard, I heard they're okay. Yeah, I, I, don't, I haven't heard much about these two, but, I, uh, you know, they could be okay. Yeah, I heard Finch scored 100 the other day. Well, who against, was he playing for? Who was Wasn't... he playing against, though, as well? Oh. I'm sure they weren't that good an ODI team. No. Not like they were England or anything. No. No. Anyways, at number three, we've got uh, Chris Lynn. He hasn't played much of this season, but like he's the best Big Bash League player of like all time at the moment. You know what I'm noticing so far? You haven't got much bowling depth, just saying. No, no, no bowling depth <laughs> on this team whatsoever. At number four, we've gone for someone who is actually in form. We've gone for Cam White. Oh, he's a legend. I, I think Cam Wright's one of the most underrated Australian players over the last 10 years. Yeah? Just consistent, good performer. Yeah. Absolutely deserved his call-up, and I hope he gets a game. Yeah, I, I hope that for him as well. But no, he's had a great big bash. couple of half, three half centuries, is it? Or at least a couple of half centuries. He's already. averaging 142 in the big bash this season. I think that says enough. <laughs> at number five, I cannot believe this guy's batting at number five, but it's Kevin Peterson. <laughs> I just couldn't fit him any higher. Imagine Kevin Peterson coming in at number five, honestly. That's decent. That, that's I, just... I would probably bat Peterson at four wide at five myself. White's, White's almost embedded. actually too good of a bowler to be in your team, to be honest. Fair. <laughs> the White of seven or eight years ago wouldn't have been allowed in that team. No. But, but he, he hasn't bowled in about five years. Exactly. No, but White's in better form at the moment, so I'll throw him in at number four. At number six, I can't believe... This guy opens for his team, and he goes by the name of Josh Butler. <laughs> opens for England, and... No, he doesn't. He bats a seven, sorry. But he opens for this Thunder, and... He's as open for England in the past. And he bats at six in my side just because there's no room for him anywhere else. Decent. Imagine if I put him opening and have McCullum at six and McCullum just comes in for five overs and gets 40 <laughs> off 20. <laughs> he Mc- would... McCullum batting at six. Oh, it's terrifying. <laughs> Imagine you're AJ tight. Like, you're a really good death bowler, but you're like, I don't actually want to do this. No, nah, I'm thinking more of the Joffrey Archer because you've rolled to the top order then you've come back for your last few overs at the end and you're just thinking, yep, I've double really well. There's going to be no time I've done batsman. all my hard I've work. done all the hard work. And then McCullum walks out and you're like, oh, God. <laughs> God, I shouldn't have got that wicket. I knew I should have bowled the wide just batting to Heaslet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anyways, uh, this is where stuff starts to go pretty poorly for my team. So I've picked my five batsmen, and then the keeper was Butler, and now I've got five specialist bowlers who, this is the best batsman of the lot. 
Rashid Khan. <laughs> uh oh. He's had a really good big bash though. Twelve wickets for him already, right up there in the top wicket takers, and going at less than a run a ball. And playing in a test in June for Afghanistan, I would assume. No, very good player. Not a very good batsman though. Would be the worst number seven in the league. Yep. At number eight, oh geez, I haven't even figured out who's the best batsman out of my bowlers. <laughs> at number eight, we're gonna throw in AJ Ty. Oh jeez, <laughs> that's that's rough. R- just run us through your last four bowlers. So you got AJ Ty, Mitchell Johnson, Yasir Shah, and Ben Lachlan. That's not a good batting lineup, but a very good bowling lineup. Yes. <laughs> so I'm gonna have opening the bowling Yasir Shah and Mitchell Johnson. Now I don't know much about cricket, but I'm pretty sure. They're okay. Yeah, they're pretty okay indeed. And then you have Rashid and Ty and Shah through the middle overs and then Lachlan and Ty at the end to finish it all off. This will be a very interesting just to basically form every listener's out there's opinion of depth in lineups. How important is depth? Is it? We've seen the Hurricanes have basically been carried this season on Archer and Short. Um, can teams just get away with having a few good players? You've picked... Five people that can bowl, that's it. Six people that can bat, that's it. Is that enough to win you games? Let's go through my team now, which is a whole bunch of people that are okay. Yeah, 10 people <laughs> who can bat. No, 11 who can bat and, and 10 who can bowl. Yeah, it's a very interesting side. Oh my gosh, you should have picked a keeper that can bowl. You should have picked Matthew Wade. Oh, okay, I'm going to change it now. You ready? Pick Matthew Wade I'm and then 11 who now. can bowl and 11 who can bat. I'm going to have Matthew Wade. And, and the thing is, Matthew Wade's not even allowed to keep. He has to bowl. <laughs> Mandatory rule is Matthew Wade has to bowl one over. Do you have a second keeper who can keep for that one over? Oh, who look, kept somebody when Matthew him. Wade bowled? It was Phil uh, Hughes, Phil wasn't Hughes, it? Phil yeah. Hughes kept. Um, so my team opening the batting are two all-rounders. This team is all all-rounders, but two all-rounders that open the batting. Darcy Short and David Willey. Uh, Short is the best batsman in the league right now by a long way. And uh, David Willey's very decent player, very underrated. Averages like 20-something with the bat and averages low 20s with the ball. Very good player, left arm quick. Um, three, four, five. This is just, oh, this is some of the best all-rounders in the history of ODI game. DJ Bravo, James Faulkner, Ben Cutting. These guys are absolute specialists. Cuttings, you go out there and club it. You just bowls right arm slower balls. Um, James Faulkner just bowls out the back of the hand slower balls and every now and again decides to make some runs. And then, I mean, what is there to say about DJ Bravo? He's like probably the best quick in the league right now. I know yeah, the you coolest think that. kid around. <laughs> He's got his own track. That's how good he is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's a champion, that man. Um, seven, eight, nine. Man, if you thought I didn't have enough all-rounders already, get excited because there's even more. Dan Christian coming in at seven. Uh, we then got... No, sorry. Dan Christian coming in at six. Ashton Agar at seven, who has a Test 97 next to his name. And then Michael Nisar, who's just your, your club in the ball specialist. He comes in and makes 40 off 30 balls every now and again. He's so good at that. Finally, the final three. Mohamed Nabi... Arjun Nair. Arjun Nair, who's averaging like 20-something with the bat in the big match of the season, is batting, batting at, at 10. 10. <laughs> <laughs> it's better than... I'm pretty sure my number 10 and 11 are better than your number 7, probably. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then my finally, number 7's Rashid Khan and your number 11 is... <laughs> Matthew Wade. <laughs> Matthew Wade. <laughs> After number... recent changes. So, I mean, look, I just... My team is really good. Like... Yes, it's very hit and miss. There's a lot of players there that are but very sh- inconsistent. But out of like the 10 pe- non-keepers you've yeah. got there, you'd say like three of them would do well. That's You definitely think that... I can't see how my team would make 160. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying they're going to make a lot, and they'd probably be eight for 160 most games. <laughs> but um, you'd have to go through all of these. But surely just a couple of them fire each match with yeah. the bat. And then with if the... Short's batting like he is at the moment, imagine yeah. that people just make knocks around him. Little <laughs> 20s out of 10. Yeah, and if you have everyone come in and make 20 off 10, and then Short makes 100-odd, that'll be a massive total. It's going to be a truly massive total. Um, 
I'm really confident the bowling though. That's what I think the difference is. Your batting lineup's better than mine, and I think when it comes to batting, that actually your star players are probably more important than depth. But I think when it comes to bowling, depth is more important. Looking at my lineup, I'm just thinking. I mean, I've got the likes of Willie, um, Nabi to open the bowling. Like these are some really good bowlers. Then I've got slower ball bowlers in DJ Bravo, Faulkner, Cutting, and Christian, as well as Michael Nisa. And then to throw in more spinners, I have Short, Agar, and Nair. I just think, I mean, I could literally bowl all of them two overs. Yeah. Like, and, and that would be good. That that would be amazing. It's just like you bowl the first over and the 11th over, second, 12th yeah. sort of thing. It's just like, yeah, just do that. Batsmen cannot settle whatsoever. Whereas I'm pretty confident the batsmen could settle to my bowlers because there's five people. You're all exactly. bowling, you're all bowling four overs. Yeah, that's that's the interesting thing is that it's it's how much do you value options when it comes to bowling? Is you can literally bowl only bowl those five. If if you had to pick one of the rest of them to bowl, who is it? Like you, injury or something, somebody has to bowl. Who would it be? Uh, Finch. Finch is not actually that bad, but I mean beyond that. You got very few options. Finch, you wouldn't feel confident more bowling more than two or three overs tops. No, exactly. So it means you means you're gonna get a lot of overs out of those main guys, which means if one of them bowls badly and goes for forty of their four overs, you're gonna go for an expensive total. Whereas I can chop and change mine whenever I feel like. Yeah, but the difference is my five bowlers on their good days will go like two for like twenty, right? Yeah, Mitchell Johnson went three for thirteen in a game this season. Yeah, but <laughs> on like their good days, Dan like Christian go... on a bad day goes for none for fifty or four overs. <laughs> but like my average performance would be like High. probably a little over yeah. a runner ball. So like two for twenty five from my five balls would be like their average sort of day, right? Whereas your average is like one for thirty two. Yeah, but like, I've got more options. Yes, so that's you've the thing. Got more off- options, yes. So let us know which side do you think would win in the match, and what's more important, depth or star power. I'm going to set up a poll, actually, on our Cricket by Dummies Facebook page and after the show, and you guys can vote what's more important, depth or star power. Let us know. Finally, we're going to wrap up the show this week with the ODI. You know, Australia did actually play this week, and we just haven't mentioned it yet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there was an ODI between Australia and England. Australia came out better first, made 304, thanks for a very solid knock from Aaron Finch. He looked really good, and some contributions from Marcus Stoinis and Mitchell Marsh. And then England just cruised, absolutely cruised. Jason Roy's 180. Yes, you're hearing us correctly, 180. Yes, he He probably would have made a double hundred if they were batting first, honestly. Probably. It wasn't not out, but, like, he would have made heaps. Yeah, uh, he looked absolutely fine until eventually he top-edged a bouncer from Mitchell Stark. Um, 180 is the high score by an English batsman in ODI cricket. There's the stat for you, really. That yeah, pretty much says it all. Australia. Um, yeah. And then 90 from Joe Root at the other end. The next high score by a batsman in the team, 14. That shows you, I mean, look, there's your argument for star power right there. Two people made 271 runs between them and England won the match. Yeah, and you have a look at the Hobart Hurricanes the other day. Darcy Short makes 122 out of 179. That sums it all pretty well, sums it up pretty well. Star power is more important. The one thing I want to quickly touch on from the game was Adil Rashid signed a fan's forehead. Yes, you heard that correctly. He signed a forehead of a fan. The fan gives him, like, the texter and just points at the forehead. <laughs> and I've never seen something like it before. And I don't think the signature would last too long. I, that'd be an interesting one is, do you then go home and have a shower or you just never shower for the rest of your life because you've got Adil Rashid's Until signature Until it, like, rubs off eventually. <laughs> do you never go outside if it's raining? Yeah, you just n- never leave the house was ready for the rest of your life. Um, I very much enjoyed that moment and I very much enjoyed the show. Another good one from you, Lock and Ross. Oh, well, you too, Alex. If we're going to start giving each other compliments, I don't know why it took to episode 15 to give it. But I mean, 
it doesn't really make up for the bunch of insults, but no, it's been a good show. Um, I love how we ended on the ODI, by the way, and kind of like dismissed it. That's <laughs> that's my attitude towards ODIs anyways. If you want to catch us, we'll be on later tonight uh, at 9 o'clock for Wacky World of Sports, uh, which is equally as ridiculous as this. Thanks for uh, listening, everyone. My From, name's Alex Henry. Yep, my name's Chuck, and have a good afternoon. 